Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries RPG podcast with John and Hannah. Hi. And once again, we're cracking open the post bag and looking at some of your lovely voicemails and emails. So without further ado, let's see who our first caller is. Hey, John, this is Randy from Biggest Geekers again. I think I screwed up that story. I was chuckling on the inside. So about my wife's character, the Scion, just to clarify, there was a group of wizards that were their great enemy, and they finally met one on the streets. They were high level, 16th level. She wanted to use diplomacy to get him to stop messing with the kids. And when she goes up to do it, she realizes she has very few ranks in diplomacy. And she was kind of like, oh, screw it. We hate these guys anyway. And so she cast Disintegrate. And everybody just kind of laughed. And after that, anytime we would meet something that was really powerful, the group would look at my wife and say, why don't you use diplomacy? Or it became diplomatize it instead of disintegrate it. So uh, probably loses something if I have to explain it, but it's funny for our group. (laughs) Take care. Cheers for that, Randy. Absolutely love it. Uh, I think John's been fairly skilled in the old diplomacy himself now and then. Yeah, I've been known to I've been known to be extremely diplomatic with some NPCs in my time, you know, when it when it's called for. <laughs> but yeah, thanks very much, Randy. But I think Randy's got a little bit more to say, so take it away, Randy. Just finished listening to your in jokes podcast. Uh really like that. Uh thought I would share one of ours. Um, one of them we recently talked about on Biggest Geekest. Joe was, Joe and I were playing back in the early 1E days and, uh, came into a room and there was some rubble and some of the players were like, you better shoot the rubble with an arrow. And Joe's like, that's dumb. They're like, dude, there's, I know Randy's going to have something in there. And so I was like, I'm not shooting the rubble. So he walked up and of course I didn't have anything planned, but I had to make a giant rock python, which happened to be poisonous, jump out and bite him. So it's kind of become, you know, shoot the rubble is the mantra. Whenever you see something, some sort of ruins, shoot the rubble. So uh, i got another one I want to share, but I'll do that in another um, message. Thanks. Thank, thanks for that, Randy. That's a great story. But before we get into commenting on it in more detail, I wonder if there's like another point of view and what the players thought of that. Hello, this is Joe from the Biggest Geekest podcast, and I was just listening to your episode on in-jokes, and I found it very entertaining. I also have one of my own. Uh, There are many, but the one that stands out over the years is where we all holler, shoot the rubble. This comes from uh, when our group was confronted with an empty room except for a little rubble. They all said, shoot the rubble. I said, no, there's nothing there. It's just rubble. So I walked up to it, and sure enough, a tentacle reached out, grabbed me, and I believe killed me instantly, Um, though there really wasn't anything there. um, The DM, uh, who shall remain nameless, Randy, uh, decided to be funny and put something there anyway. So from then on, uh, the whole shoot the rubble thing became a hilarious in-joke for us. We have to explain it sometimes with new people, but... They usually get it pretty fast. Anyway, um, good work on the episode, and uh, talk to you later. Bye. Thanks, guys. Really enjoyed that. It's great to get the two calls from you both talking about different sort of views on the same thing. And, yeah, as for GMs sort of, like, sliding a little bit of a little something, something into a game when it probably wasn't there previously, I think we've all done it from time to time, you know. Well, come on, if the players come up with a good idea, it'd be rude not to use it. That's it, exactly. 
and I've always looked at it the way is if players pretty much sort of like telegraph to you as a GM what they want in a game, why not put it in there? You know, if they're telling you what they want and you're all there to have fun and they're saying, this is what we enjoy or this is what we're going to find funny, just put it in there. Great stuff. Love the story, guys. Thank you very much for those calling. It's greatly appreciated. How many XP for a pile of rubble? Oh, I don't know, actually. Um, there's, there's probably a chart for it in like the um, one of the Monster Manuals somewhere. <laughs> there'll, there'll probably be like a description in like um, the third Ed Monster Manual of like what skills a pile of rubble has and like different hit. Oh, and in fourth Ed, there's bound to be at least like three different versions of a pile of yeah. rubble. There'll be like a, a rubble lord or a rock lord or something <laughs> that, that like is a battlefield <laughs> controller or something like that. And we have another call from Joe at Biggest Geekus coming up. So take it away, Joe. I was just listening to your Cloaker episode, and wow, that reminded me of two things. Mothman, which is more a um, harbinger kind of prophecy uh, device, uh, but it also reminded me of the Beastmaster movie, where it had, at some point in it, these creatures that were large and leathery, and they'd surround a a person with their leathery wing-like appendages and um, digest them almost instantly it was pretty gross but fun but uh thanks for that episode it was really great um keep up the good work talk to you later bye thanks again joe yeah a few people suggested Beastmaster mm-hmm. to us and in fact myself and hannah watched it recently and then recorded a podcast about it yeah that led on to our animal companions episode which came out this monday so feel free to check that out um, yeah, the, the bat creatures in it were very entertaining. I mean, obviously you could see the sort of like the limits of the special effects and let's say 1982, I think it was. But with that, with those practical effects, you know, a little goes a long way if it's done mm. well. And I thought those creatures were fantastic. I could certainly see sort of if you wanted to maybe have like a slightly more humanoid cloaker, you could maybe sort of take the visuals of that mm. a bit more, or you maybe wanted to use the cloaker stats, which just like finesse it a little bit so the players don't know exactly what monster it is. You could definitely use those, um, the, the physical description of those creatures, and pretty much just keep the same stats as a cloaker, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad you enjoyed the episode, dude. Thank you very much. And many thanks for the recommendation. We always appreciate film recommendations. It's rare that we find one that we haven't sat and watched together. So, yeah, I mean, many, many thanks. As we said in the um, the Monday episode, uh, I know I've watched it when I was very young, so sort of like late 80s, but Hannah hadn't watched it at all, and I'd not seen it since like my first watch. So it was really nice to like watch a bit of like cheesy fantasy and just relax mm-hmm. and enjoy that and obviously there's well-used tropes in it there's nothing unexpected really in it but it was still a very entertaining you know popcorn movie just kick back watch and enjoy so <laughs> thanks to joe and to everyone else out there who recommended beastmaster to us hey john i'm listening to your animal companion podcast i'm gonna get back to it here shortly this is randy um uh, the spell you're thinking of is fine familiar it should be a first level spell in first edition and second um, I bet you probably already been told that, but I'm enjoying it. I think I'm going to have some other comments too, because this is a very interesting uh, discussion. So, anyway, keep up the good work. Talk to you later. Hi again, Randy. Many thanks for that. I knew that our listeners would probably be able to find that more quickly than I could. I must admit, I'm not particularly familiar with the rule books 
yeah, and I mean, that's one of the great things. I mean, we often talk about how in games, if you've got someone who like knows the rules better than you have, as long as they're not being an arsehole with it, then they can actually be a great resource because we've all got gaps in our knowledge and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And it's really great to have people just be like, oh, if you need it, here's the information you need. So, yeah, so thanks again to everyone who suggested that. And obviously, Randy, much appreciated. If we ever do an episode in the future and we we don't know the name of something and you know it feel free to shout it out to us via a voicemail it's always handy to get those gaps in our knowledge filled in or Mm -hmm. hell just tell us anything you want to see on Mm -hmm. the podcast in the future like when people were talking about beastmaster as we discussed earlier hey john uh this is randy again from biggest geekers um thinking about your comment on the cloakers and something that's a side comment you made about Darrow and Durgar and Drow, you seem like they're all wearing cloaks. Actually, if you read Monster Manual 2, and I think it was even in the Fire Giant King, Hall of the Fire Giant King in 1E, Drow did all have magical cloaks and boots of Elven kind, and they would wear them, and in the surface, remember later on they even described them as being destroyed when they were exposed to sunlight. So it would kind of make sense. You could make a good argument that the cloakers should probably... Uh, pretend to be a cloak and capture some drow and stuff because they would be wearing cloaks, according to the monster manual. Anyway, I knew that uh, was somewhere in the D&D history. Uh, have a good day. Thanks. Cheers for that, Randy. Yeah, you're absolutely right. As soon as you started talking about elves with cloaks, I was like, oh yeah, of course, cloaks of elven kind. Another point that sort of occurs to me as you say this if the Underdark's got some, like, evil Underdark Empire and yeah. they've been around for, like, donkey's ages... Yeah. Which, for our non-UK listeners, means a long time. <laughs> and they've got their own uniform. Mm-hmm. And that uniform's been around for ages and ages. The Cloakers are going to be familiar with the standard-issue evil army cape. Mm. There's going to be loads of them kicking around. Yeah, true, it's also interesting if you if you could envision a cloaker that could like perhaps subtly like change its coloration to match mm-hmm. specific cloaks or uniforms. I mean, obviously that is making it a bit more powerful than the standard one because it's got this chameleon like sort of uh, color change in. But yeah, I could see that being a, a pretty big threat. To be honest, like you say, it it sort of slides itself into like your barracks or whatever as a quick look around at the uniforms and then slowly like changes itself. So when people come in, they're just like, oh look. There's, there's six uh, white cloaks there or whatever and they pick the sixth one up and that's the cloaker there you go yeah great suggestion thank you very much randy and thank you for reminding me of the cloaks of elven kind and yeah i do vaguely recall the original drow had equipment that sort of decayed and was useless after it was exposed to direct sunlight for a bit hey Hannah and john jason here great episode on animal companions and beastmaster AD&D first edition does have animal companion, or not, I mean, I'm sorry, familiars for magic users. Spell should be a first level spell. The details on that familiars might be in the Dungeon Master's Guide, though. I'm driving, but I'll try to get it to you guys later on. As far as Beastmaster goes, yeah, they were tigers that were dyed black. Um, they had a, a couple they were working with. They had to you, you know, knock them out to die in black, put them under anesthesia. 
and one of the tigers during the filming didn't wake up from the anesthesia, which I guess is an issue with um, felines. Uh, what else? Do, 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 do. Hannah brought something really interesting discussion. So I did an episode on animal companions a while back where I you know, mentioned the ways to control them would be the DM controls them, the player controls them, or you just add bonuses to the roles, which you guys mm-hmm. kind of talk about that stuff. But Hannah's idea of the player to the left or right roles for them is interesting, and I hadn't heard that before. But but I really like that idea. So very interesting discussion. Talk to you mm-hmm. soon. Hi, Jason. Many thanks for all of that. Um, the tiger story is really, really dark. Yeah, that was a bit bleak. Utterly bleak. Um, while we were watching the film, we did discuss the fact that there would be no way to make that same sort of a film now because you would not be allowed to do those things with those animals. Yeah, because like the animal care regulations and stuff like (laughs) Um, that. Which is obviously a very good thing and does sort of remind you of like why it's better to have a crappy CGI tiger than a real tiger in a movie, even if it does look rubbish. I'd still rather it be CGI. Yeah, but thanks for calling in, Jason. I know you said you'd had yeah. some problems with SpeakPipe on your phone, so I hope that's sorted out now and we can look mm-hmm. forward to many of your calls in future. Really appreciate it. Thanks very much, dude. Hello, John and Hannah. This is Joe from Biggest Geekus, and I'm listening to your episode on Animal Companions, and uh, you were wondering about the first edition a version of the familiar ability for the wizard or the magic user at that point. Um, It's a first level spell called find familiar and it has an interesting bit of history as it is in the, the words of um, radio grognard, a gotcha spell because uh, while it does provide you a familiar, if said familiar is killed uh, with certain circumstance within a certain circumstance, you lose some per- hit points permanently, which for the, the magic user having very few hit points could be an instant kill situation. Uh, there's a infamous uh, illustration, I believe, in a Dragon magazine, I believe, uh, of a fighter holding a cat uh, with a dagger pointed to it um, in front of its apparent wizard master. So, yes, it has a bit of a history. Um, anyway, uh, great episode so far. I'll finish listening to it, and you guys have a good day. Bye. Yeah, thanks again, Joe, and thanks to all the people who called in to let us know about the Find Familiar spell. An interesting bit of history there from Joe. I think we've got a pile of Dragon magazines. We should see if we've got any left. Yeah, maybe we could. Uh, maybe we could do a few episodes where we could just like pick. Because I have like a mad stack of like old Dragon magazines from when it was like a print version. I mean, not the really old stuff, but like you know, like the three point five era stuff. Maybe we could like flick through um, a magazine or something, pick out an article that interests us, and sort of like break it down and discuss it. You know, a bit like we do with our monster episodes. If that's something you guys would like to hear. Let call in and let us know. Maybe we'll do a couple of episodes on it, see how they sort of shake out and whether it's uh, interesting enough to do as like a regular thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, thank you very much for that history on that, Joe. I agree it is a bit of a gotcha spell, and obviously if you're trying to take out a powerful wizard 
one of the best ways to do it is to look for a weakness and if they've got like a a poorly defended familiar then yeah that's an obvious weakness that their opponents can capitalize on i mean let's face it there's a reason like liches like hide the phylacteries away mm -hmm. and i'm sure there's a reason that careful wizards keep the cat tucked well out of sight as well hey there you two awesome episode on cloakers man that is a really weird monster for sure i love the fact though that if they got somebody wrapped up and you hit them, the person they have wrapped up takes half the damage. I think that's rad. It's super fun. The players hate it, but it makes me chuckle. <laughs> One of the many weird things about me, I think, is that the first time I came across most of these iconic D&D monsters was with Pathfinder, despite the fact that I've been playing RPGs since the mid-80s. But we mostly play, like I said, Merp, Rollmaster, Cyberpunk, Top Secret, those kind of games, and not D&D. So, you know, I, I, from a nostalgic point of view, these monsters, Pathfinder is my touchstone. So it's really interesting to hear all the original versions of them and see what Pathfinder did. But anyway, that was super kind of y'all to do the Pathfinder one. So thanks very much. That was, of course, Joe from the Hind Sightless podcast. Uh, giving us a little bit of history there glad you enjoyed the episode yep many thanks for the recommendation of the pathfinder but we'll try and add pathfinder onto the list of stuff to look yeah. at when we do monster episodes yeah i think if we if we come across a monster where the the sort of pathfinder version of it's significantly different from mm -hmm. the sort of three 3.5 version we'll definitely try and sort of slide that in there a little bit more and we're trying to look at some of the other sort of bestiary books we've got as well, just to give a little bit of a sort of broader view of things as we go forward. So thank you very much for that message, dude. Greatly appreciated. Dude, I can't believe I forgot to mention, but Cloakers, the first time I came across them, instantly made me think about those creepy, weird monsters from the 80s movie Beastmaster. Those kind of like humanoid bat things with the friggin flesh attached to their arms and they'd wrap up somebody and they'd just be shaking and shaking and then they'd open their arms and they were just bones i those had to be inspired by cloakers man <laughs> i mean they were basically cloakers but way more humanoid i don't know if you've ever seen Beastmaster. i'm guessing i don't know i don't know i don't want to guess i have no idea if you or hannah has seen Beastmaster, but if not well <laughs> than not it's an amazing 80s movie amazing 80s fantasy movie so take that for what it is very handsome blonde man as the lead star i think he's blonde he should be anyway <laughs> cheers again joe yeah quite a few people recommended uh, Beastmaster to us and we both had an absolute ball watching that and all yep. the way through we were like so when the when these cloakers gonna turn up then and then when they did we were not disappointed <laughs> Like I said, I really love the practical effects. And the main actor, Mark Singer, also played Donovan in the V TV series. <laughs> I expect they probably didn't do very well on their animal rights issues either. No, I should imagine not with all that <laughs> eating mice and whatever. But like I say, that, that's how I know him as Mike Donovan from the V series. Although I couldn't recall the character name, but as we were watching this, I, I was like... So that guy out of V? 
and so like it kept sort of ticking through in my mind as we were watching it but yeah we had great fun watching beastmaster so thanks to joe and to all the people who recommended that we give it a watch it was really just a good fun movie to see any other films you want to recommend guys we'd love to hear your recommendations yeah any any fantasy films that you think we can take something out of or that we can explore or get some inspiration from for like D&D or other games in the podcast, just shout out and we'll give them a watch and see if we can maybe pull something out of them for future episodes. Hi, Anna. Hi, John. Goblin Tenchman here. So first up, congratulations on making the uh, Cloaker issue episode interesting. When I saw it, I thought, well, you're going to struggle there because I thought it'd all been done and dusted and, you know, all pretty straightforward. So I think you did a good job. Now, I'm going to um, lean into what Hannah said. I think she's she's right. Um, I think human beings have a terrible habit of seeing the world through the prism of being a human being. So, for example, whenever I'm trotting about the place, I'm forever seeing faces See a face in the printer, see a face in the trees, see a face in the ground, see a face in the snow. But that's not that's not really its purpose, it's just the way it is. And we see that pattern there. So, for example, if we look at our own Underdark, I believe there's a creature in the deep ocean called a gulper eel. And so that gulper eel looks a bit like a normal eel, except when something gets really close, it kind of expands into sort of almost the size of a bin bag and gulps up the creature. So... You know, I could see a, uh, an argument there. I don't think D&D creatures need rhyme or reason, actually, but let's just say we go down that route. Um, the cloaker could have evolved a simple strategy in the Underdark, whereby it's just going for maximum surface area. Something comes nearby, instead of gulping it like a gulper eel, it just kind of, like, envelops it in, a, it in a blanket, and then, you know, nom, 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 nom thereafter. So, you know, fast forward a few millennia, whatever, and then, you know, these humanoids come along and go, oh, look, it's a cloak. And they walk straight into the into the into the cloakers more, as it were, you know. And the, and the cloakers, are, you know, it's alien mind thinking, you know, don't look a gift humanoid in the mouth. So um, yeah, I think I think there's a, definitely an argument for um, the ecology of a cloaker, um, even though I don't think it necessarily needs it. The other thing I quite like was John's idea of you know some sort of parasitic version, and I was just thinking, imagine imagine a cloaker being the predecessor of a mind flayer. You know, whether you think that works or not, I don't know. But, you know, first of all, it captures a human, latches onto it like a cloak, slowly devours the brain, and then thereafter it sort of metamorphoses into sort of a mind flayer, and then that's the next step. It's 100% eating brains. Um, cloak is probably bigger than that, but I think you can make a, <laughs> you know, wave your hands a bit. Anyway, again, I thought you did, I thought it was a really fun episode, actually, because, as I said, I was a little bit dubious. You were, I thought you were going to have to squeeze pretty hard to make this make this episode interesting and uh, you you definitely uh, exceeded that by a good margin so thanks for that cheers many thanks for that goblin's henchman and with your mention of people seeing things yeah patterns on stuff. patterns in things and harking back to the start of the episode where we were talking about in jokes i'm going to tell you of an epic story from larp We're standing on the line defending a scout hut behind us and there's a field in front with a hedge down one side and I could see this monster clear as day. I could see his silhouette perfectly. Mm -hmm. I could see 
his cloak over his head. I could see his sword in his hand. I could even see him moving about a little bit. And I elbow my friends. Here, boys, if I go up the side here, I can have him. Keep an eye out. So the lads all watch me go along the side of this hedge really carefully in the shadows. Really, really stealthy. I'm sure I was. I was about four pints in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I jumped out from behind the hedge and smacked this guy with my sword. And he went, clang, because it was a bin <laughs> with a standpipe next to it. Yeah. So, yeah, I can buy that you'd see something on the ground that looked vaguely fabric-y and think it was a cloak. Yeah, and, I mean, we're talking about, like, Simulcra. We're uh, we're readers of 14 times, and they have, like, a Simulcra corner in that, where mm-hmm. it's, people just send in photos of, like, things that look like other things. And, obviously, we all know the famous ones of, like, people seeing, like, religious figures in, like, burnt bits of toast and stuff like that. <laughs> but I do think you're absolutely right, Goblin's Henchmen. We tend to see what we want to see, and there's a lot of research been done on various documentaries I've watched that says that uh, sort of human brains sort of learning to put put patterns between things and link them together was like a valuable survival technique sort of back in the day. Mm-hmm. And it's obviously just like a hardwired part of our brain that's still in there, and we still do it now. I mean, think of people looking at clouds and seeing shapes in clouds. So, yeah, I can totally buy what you and Hannah are saying, that like if you if you want to think it looks like a cloak, you'll probably ignore any like minor little inconsistencies, and you'll see it as a cloak. But I'm glad you enjoyed the episode. We, I've got to admit, we were a little bit sort of, um, not not dubious, but we were a little bit sort of like, <laughs> at the start, we were like, oh, how much are we going to be able to get out about a cloaker? I certainly rolled my eyes when I heard that was what we were doing this week. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think it's one of the, the handy things about the way we're doing it at the minute, where we're doing the, the Twitter poll to get people to choose the monsters, mm-hmm. is because it sort of, it forces us in a way to like be a bit more sort of, have a bit more ingenuity when it comes to the episodes because we want them to try and be interesting but occasionally we get monsters where we're just like oh well what's to be said about that it's just a big thing that looks like a cloak and eats people but when you guys pick them you do always pick one that turns out to be a lot more interesting than we thought it would yeah and we found with the cloaker like we have with a few others that once we actually started talking about it the different possibilities of how you could use it it was actually a very interesting creature. And I think your idea of like it being like a, a sort of infant stage almost for Mind Flayers is a great one. I mean, obviously we know that like as far as like canon sort of D&D goes, Mind Flayers start off as like big tadpole things. But there's no reason it has to be that way in your game. And I think a lot of these sort of outsider sort of Cthulhu-esque style creatures can, if the GM wants to, potentially be linked together so i think that's a great idea thank you very much for your calling so that's all the voicemails we have this episode thanks for sending them in guys yeah it's very much appreciated and as we always say if you want to comment on anything we've done in any of our shows you want to suggest something you'd like to see in future you want to tell us one of your own sort of cool gaming in-joke stories or anything else really you can get in touch with us in one of two ways you can leave us a voicemail message using the speak pipe website there'll be a link in the description of this show 
or as Goblin's henchman did, you could even just attach a sound file to an email and send it to podcast at gmail.com. And we will try and gather into the episode and answer it as soon as we possibly can. So thank you again to all our wonderful callers and all of our listeners. So whatever game you're playing, whenever you're playing it, stay safe, have fun and take care. Bye. Bye.